I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. We're teaching to an empty auditorium during this coronavirus siege, and uh, <clears throat> but I'm having a. I, it doesn't bother me because we're teaching on the internet, and there are people watching out there around the world on the internet as we live stream. I've had I get all kinds of comments. And I've had I've been talking about predestination. Predestination is not the correct word. The word is prohorizo, pro horizo. And the word prohorizo is mentioned six times in the original text. You've got the word horizo mentioned mentioned about eight times, I believe it is, in the original text. And horizo, there is no H's in the Greek, but there's a breathing sound, horizo, and it is an H sound. Well, the Latins put an N on the end of it, and it is our word horizon, and it means a boundary of light, boundary of light. All right. So when the Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. We have been predestined to be conformed. And that doesn't happen one day. The Bible says, for whom? Who's? O U S. And there's that diacritical mark, the same thing that's in front of Horizo with an H sound, Hus. And it, it is masculine gender, singular. So it's not talking about events that God knew. It's talking about a people that he foreknew, forno, prognosco. And prognosco means to know, gnosco, intimately pro beforehand pro is our prefix pre pre and gnosko means to know intimately so those that God knew in his mind before the foundation of the world and our names were written in the book of life before the foundation of the world those are ones those are the ones he picked out and chose for himself he had to choose somebody because Romans 10 Romans 10, 12 through 13 says there's none righteous. There's none that seeketh after God. If nobody is righteous and if God doesn't pick himself a family and foreknow them, nobody's going to heaven. Well, this word prohorizo, since nobody's righteous, God has to pick out out of all of this crowd of the people that'll ever be born, he's got to pick out certain ones, say, this is my son, this is mine, this is mine, and this is mine. And he has to put faith in our hearts. Then after he puts faith in our hearts, that is the new birth, and we were born. 
we were born. The Bible says in John 1.13 that we were born not of blood, not of blood. Now, that's most people that read this, they don't know what that means. Not of blood. There's three things we're not born, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of will of flesh, nor of the will will of man, but of God. But of God's will, why that's the implication, it's of God's will. This word will in this verse is the word thelema, T-H-E-L-E-M-A. And it means purpose. It's of God's, excuse me, not purpose. That's the other word, will. It means determination. God determines who his family will be. And he picks us out, puts faith in our heart. And when he puts faith in our heart, since there's none righteous, and he puts faith in our hearts, the very, that very system would be called grace. Grace. Grace is the word charis. And it means unmerited favor. So God, for whatever reasons he has with nobody righteous, he puts faith in the hearts of a people that he foreknew because these are the whom's and he's predestined us or predetermined us for the light. And I said this last week, the common word for light is phos. We get the word phosphorus, a shining element from that. Now, I've given you a bunch of these things. There are everything that has to do with light. And I'm going to give you some of these again. Everything that has to do with light, uh, when the moon doesn't give her light, that's the word phengos, P-H-E-N-G-O-S. When the moon doesn't give her light, it's fingos, and it is a, it is a root word of phos. Now, let me give you a couple more of these that I gave you last week. I gave you last week. There's the word femi. This is a very interesting word. Femi is the word said, saith, affirm, or say. P-H-E-M-I. And the root word of that is phos or light. If you say something, you're bringing it to the light. You're saying it. This is interesting because it has to do with the word blaspheme. So if you, if this, this means to affirm or say or saith, affirm, Every time you find a firm, say or saith, it's this word for me. Now we get the word feme, P-H-E-M-I. This is pronounced that P-H, that P-H, that's a, that's a fee, 
and it's pronounced like F. So F-E-M-E or P-H-E-M-E is our word fame. If a person is famous, then it's all the things that a group of people, if this person is popular with a great majority of people, and that's his fame. It comes to the word fame, which means to say, and that means what you say is false, is brought to the light about this person. The word blaspheme. Now, I've heard preachers say, since I was a kid, <coughs> we don't know what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. Yes, we do. All you got to do is define it. Blaspheme. Notice that word theme on the end of it. Blaspheme comes from blapto. Like I say, that sounds like some soap out of a cartoon, but it's not. It means to hinder. To hinder. And feme, P-H-E-M-E. Hinder what God has spoken or hinder the word of God or what God said or what he saith. That's the first thing. That's the first sin in the Bible. When the serpent looked at Eve and said, Hath God said, did God say you couldn't eat of all the trees of the garden? The serpent was standing there lying right straight through his teeth because he was accusing God of something and he was perverting the word of God. So Fimei, every time you find saith, affirm, say, all these words are related to each other. Let me give you a couple more of these. When uh, when uh, he when you get the word, all of them are forms of the same word. Let me give you this. Then you have the word phano, p h a i n o, p h a. Let me erase this here because I may need this room. Phano. This is a form of the root word phos. It all is in what you call morphemes. Morphemes mean word shapes. Comes from morphe. Morphe and feme. It means morphe and p-h-e-m-e. It means fame shapes. A morphe or morphosis. Morphosis is what a grasshopper goes through to mature and become a full-grown grasshopper, what a caterpillar goes through. Actually, they go through a metamorphosis, metamorphosis. So this blaspheme comes from blapto and feme. And that is something that is said. So when you blaspheme, you hinder the word of God. It's, and you hinder it permanently. You may have blasphemed when you're younger, but blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is truth. John 14, 15, 16, John 15, 26, John 16, 13, 1 John 5 and 6, all of these verses say, The Spirit is the truth. 
or the Spirit is the comforter that will guide you into truth. Now, so phano is a form of thos. It's all a form of the root word phos. And we get the word phosphorus, which is the word in Second Peter one nineteen, the day star rising in your heart. The day star was the morning star, and Christ is the bright and morning star. Phos is the word light. Ye are the light of the world in Matthew five fourteen. This is phos. In Luke two twenty two thirty two a light to lighten the Gentiles. That's what Jesus was called uh, so that he could give the truth to the Gentile world. And in, you've got in John uh, John uh, 1 and 4 and 5, and the life was the light of man. Light is the word phos. And the light, so it, when it says phos, light, it's talking about the horizon. The horizon is the division of day and night or light and darkness. And the horizon has basically the same thing, same meaning as prison. The spirits in prison were those that were in darkness. Prison, fulake, fulake means the division of day and night or light and darks. And the the darkness is the prison darkness and we're brought from darkness to light and we need to walk in the light now I kind of kind of reviewed some of the stuff that I went through last week and I've got this you have the word foster which is among you among whom you shine as lights in the world in Philippians 2.15 foster is a form of phos or light or horenzo and then you've got the word uh, photinos photinos is words full of light and you have the word photizo where we get our word photo a photo is where you let so much light into a camera and expose the the film and the part that doesn't uh, I don't know how it works but it doesn't it's not exposed is the picture and that's the word doth give light in Luke 11:36 and so when you're talking about prohorizo you're talking about predetermining the light in a person's life and everything that is light everything that's light if it's righteous righteousness is the light of truth holy is the light of truth sanctify is the light of truth anything that's the character of Christ that's the light and that's what we've been predestined to to be conformed to the image icon or the the likeness of his son and he is the light of the world so we have to be conformed to the light and he's going to expose us and shine on us now the will of God is being done in our lives I have people write to me I had somebody call me or write the other day and they said if 
prayer is, prayer is bowing to the will of God. I don't understand that. How can you be bowing to the will of God and be praying? Well, let me ask you a few questions. When you pray, prayer is, if God has predetermined everything in our lives, and he has, what do you do when you pray? That's probably confusing people as much as anything that I say. I see some some person on the news and somebody died of the coronavirus and they're saying, we're praying for them. And they're not praying for them. They don't even know what the prayer word prayer means. Some politician or Bill Clinton will say that. Bill Clinton, where did I get that from? <laughs> Donald Trump will say that. And I've heard Bill Clinton say it too. You're not praying for him. Pray is the word prosuke. And prayer is the, this is the, this is the verb when you pray for somebody. And the noun is prayer, P-R-O-S-E-U-C-H-O-M-A-I. Prosukumai. Well, prosukumai, when you pray, is the word comes from pros. That's not the same word as pro. Keep pro separated from that because pro means before. It's our word pre. When you have a prefix on a word, it's a it's something comes before E I S E R C H O M A I. Ice Urkelmai Ice or Ice, however you want to pronounce it, I don't care. That is a prefix. Or you have prohorizo. Pro Horizo, which is the, it's, I hate to use the word predestinate because that's not what it is. It means to predetermine before the horizon in your life. Well, pre means, means before, but prosukumai comes from pros, which is our word pro. And if you're for something, that's our word pro. You're pro-life, you're for life, or you're toward life. So pros means for or toward. For or toward. And the noun prosukumai, which is the word prayer, it comes from pros and UK. UK means to will or desire. Or it means to will, so prayer means to will or desire oneself forward or toward something other than yourself, toward others. And when you pray to God, you will yourself toward toward God's will. You don't pray for stuff and things, things are a job. You pray for the will of God. Where do you get that, Jim? How about the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, 
which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You don't pray by saying, God, give me a car, give me a house. And Lord, I need to make $60 an hour. That's not prayer. That's called wishing. Now, when you pray, do you let God have his will in your life? No. You bow to his will. You'll do one of two things in life. You'll either want your own will, own will, or you'll bow to the will of God. You'll do one of the two. You will not, you cannot have your own will and bow to God's will at the same time. The point is, God's will is being done everywhere in everything. The Bible says so. And it can't be changed. How do you pray then? When things get so overwhelming in my life, let me tell you how I pray. I drive down the road. I never ask God for a car or money or a house. I ask him for others. And Lord, if it, and I always preface everything. Lord, if it's according to your mercy and your will, help me to learn how to handle the stress of this ministry. God, if it's according to your mercy, let me live long life for one reason so I can keep preaching this truth I really don't want to stay here if it wasn't for the believers if I didn't have my family if I didn't have you here you believers I have a desire to depart and be with Christ which is far better it's more necessary for the church that I remain so I can be your spiritual guide your spiritual leader that's what I am I'm an under shepherd now, is his will being done? Or is his will already being done when you begin to pray, thy will be done? His will is already being done. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. This is the Thelema of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You can't have your way with God. Everything that's happening, that verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 goes with Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for good. All the evil things all the all the righteous things, regardless of what it is, even when you think your life is falling apart, it's for your good. Prefacing Romans 8 and 28, before you get to that verse, the Bible's talking about the groaning of the saints. Groaning. Well, I don't mean to go, oh, 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 I saw a need, well, I need a bottom on the TV going, we're supposed to be groaning. Oh, she started doing that. <laughs> Groan is the word stenazzo. And it's, that is the verb form 
of the noun stenos. And stenos you'll find over there in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Straight is the gate, straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And only few will find this straight gate, and it will cause you to groan. The noun is stenos. It's a gate that has the idea of squeezing through it. It's just you and God in it. It's, there's no company in the straight gate. And the word groan is stenazo. It's the verb form of straight. And then when you go into the straight gate, you end up in the narrow way. And that's the way to heaven that that causes you to be conformed. When you go through, let me be as simple as I can. You go through bankruptcy, bankruptcy, lose your house, lose house, or lose house, not lose, lose house, lose car, house, and car and you lose your money and you lose your job lose job and when any kids gets real sick with a debilitating disease and they get sick all of this is causing you to conform to the likeness of Jesus and that's what you're predestined to when you're going through things you think you can't live you can I, I went through a period of time in my life in the late 60s and early 70s I thought I was going to die and I was so depressed I wanted to and I thought I'll never get through this and I did and it made me who I am today without that trial and tribulation and hurt I wouldn't be the Jim Brown I am now and you won't be who you are unless you go through those things it made me give up not just self but self desires at one time I wanted to be a I wanted to be a famous singer more than I so much I could taste it I wanted to be rich and I wanted to be a big gospel singer and I wanted to have it all and be a good Christian too and you can't have that you can't be a good Christian rich woe to you that are rich you have your consolation how hardly shall a rich man enter the kingdom of God I wanted to be exact opposite of what God called me to be I wanted to be famous that's what I wanted. I wanted that so bad. I did. I just tried everything in the world. And the Bible says, Blessed are you, even when men shall reproach you, shall reproach you, it means to be infamous. You're not supposed to be famous as a believer. You're supposed to be infamous because you're going to be telling people that Christmas is pagan and predestination's true and God does not love everybody because he said he didn't. He said he loved Jacob. And the world thinks God's 
God loves everybody. Oh, God loves us all. John 3.16 says, so it does not. It amazes me. I quote John 3.16 a lot. And I tell you about the most important word in the verse is right at the front of the verse. For God so loved the world. And then I tell everybody, so I don't think people know how important this part of speech is. If you don't learn anything, learn what an adverb is. That's an adverb. What does it mean? It means that it modifies. It modifies. An adverb, all adverbs, they tell something, they modify something, and they tell something. You've got to learn this. They modify verbs, adjectives, and other adverbs. In this case, it modifies the verb loved. And what do you mean by modify? It alters. It alters or changes, puts a condition on the word loved. So it actually says, God in this fashion loved the world. Well, in what fashion? It just said in verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up from the earth on a cross. Well, what did that have to do over Numbers with John 3.16? It refers right back to Numbers where there were serpents because of Israel's rebellion. There were serpents crawling, crawling through the camp of the Israelites, biting people, and they were dying. And God said to Moses, you make a a pole, a brazen serpent on a pole, put it in the middle of the camp, and whoever looks will live. God in this same fashion loved the world. Whoever looks lives. But how can you look unless you got seeing eyes? And how can you hear whoever looks? How can you hear those words? The seeing eye and the hearing ear. Proverbs 20 and 12. The seeing eye and the hearing ear, the Lord has made even both of them. If you look, so refers back to the people who looked. God in this fashion loved the world, the cosmos, the orderly arrangement of mankind. It is cosmos. It means an orderly arrangement. And it's masculine gender. Whether you like it or not, that's the truth. So, so is an adverb. It changes the word loved. Loved is the word agape. It's actually agapao, agape, agapao. And agapao or agape was a relationship that kings had for the subjects for their subjects, fathers had for their families, they gave them laws, and the people willingly walked in them. What so modifies 
is God giving whoever he gave his laws to. Well, he said he loved Jacob. He had his... Jacob had his commandments. Love means the commandments. Second John 6, this is love, this is agape, that we walk after his commandments. Walk after. Now, God gave Jacob the laws, his laws, because Jacob's name was changed to Israel in the 32nd chapter of Genesis. So he loved Israel. And you have to be in spiritual Israel for him to love you. He wrote up on tables of stone in the Old Testament. Now he's writing on fleshy tables of our hearts. So so refers back to those that looked, lived. In this fashion, God gave his commandments to Israel. And you have to be in spiritual Israel. That whosoever believes in him and whosoever is not the word... It says, that thee believing all shall have eternal life. I'm not going to go any further into that. i got more things to say. So we're talking about God only loves certain people. He doesn't love everybody. He doesn't love the majority of mankind. The Bible says the only ones he loves, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And he has to put you in the narrow way because you're not going to go there yourself because there's none that seeketh after God. You won't get into the narrow way. He has to birth you by his will. He said he did in John 1.13. He has to beget you and conceive you by his will of his own will. Beget he us with the word of truth. So since none of us are good, He has to, and can you change? Here's the point. None good. You can't pray yourself into heaven. The Bible says, how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? So you cannot get your way into heaven by praying. Well, the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But the next verse says, How shall they call if they've not believed? And how are you going to believe if you don't seek God? You're not. You're not going to get in if you don't. If God don't put faith in your heart. And here's what we try to do. Let me show you. See if I can kind of put this here. There's none good. Nobody's good. None good. None good. Therefore, God picks you out somewhere in your life, arranges your life to go a certain path, and he comes and hits you with the word of God somewhere. How shall they hear without a preacher? Right after that, where he says, there's there's none that, that you can't call on a God you don't believe in. And he cuts into your heart, puts faith there. And then he begins to develop you and conform you to the image of Christ. And he's going to put you through all kinds of fire and trials. And you're going to be like I was back in the late 60s. I I was a believer, but I, I just wanted me. 
I wanted everything I wanted. And he's going to put you through fire and trials and persecution. And that's going to include losing your house and losing your job and getting sick and getting one of your kids getting sick and they can't get well. And you're going to say, I can't get through this. And you're going to have wishes and desires of everything you want. And along the way, you're going to be praying, God, I needed my car payment. He's going to say, you don't need your car. I need to take it away from you. It's amazing. And then you're trying to pray. And you you notice along the way, you come up and you say, my prayers are not being answered. And you think it's something you're doing in life. No, this is something God's doing to you. God doesn't answer prayer. That's just amazing. People say, if prayer is bowing to the will of God, and it is, then what he's putting you through that you're wishing about, you say, I've been praying that God will take this trial away and the cancer of my mother Well, why do you think she's got cancer? She's old, she's dying, and she's supposed to die. You can't pray somebody out of cancer. You can't pray anybody out of coronavirus. Like that ignorant Kenneth Cope when you go online. He's on there cursing the virus. He's actually cursing the judgment of God. You can't change the will of God. I know that whatsoever God doeth, Ecclesiastes 3.14, what, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. What God does is forever. Olam, O-W-L-A-M. That word doesn't mean, when we say forever, we mean from now on. Olam means it always has been, it always will be. These trials you're going through have been in the mind of God from forever to forever. What he's doing is developing you, putting you through fire. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, parosmos. It's going to prove you, P-E-I-R, P-E-I, I'll get it in the right name, P-I-R-S-A-S. Parosmos, P-E-R-I-S-M-A-O-S. Parosmos, I can't even spell today. Let me do it again. P-E-I-R-A-S-M-O-S. Parosmos, it means to prove you. Don't think it's strange. Strange, X-C-N-I-Z-O. X-E-N-I-Z-O is the word strange. And it means, it comes from X-E-N-O-S, X-E-N-O-S, Kazenos is the word stranger. It means an occasional guest. The trial that's trying you as you're going through life is not an occasional guest, and you can't pray it away. It's not going to go away. God is using that to refine you. And you, somewhere down the road, you're going to find out that prayer is bowing to God's will. His will is being done. You can't change it. 
like I said a while ago, you'll either bow to it or you'll argue with it. And it's being done anyway. The point about buying to the will of God, your life becomes maybe not easier, but easier. You're, you're fighting a losing battle when you're wanting to get your way and want what you want. You can't have what you want. God's way is being done. Look over here in, well, in Ephesians 1 and 5 says, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ unto himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It's God's will that you were adopted. Huyoto, C-H-U-I-O-T-H-E-S-I-A. It means to place huyos, or excuse me, huyos is the word sons. Antithema means to place. God is placing you as a son as his kingdom when you don't deserve it because you don't have anything good in you. And then he's going to refine you and develop you into a mature, perfect. Perfect does not mean without sin or without error. It's the word teleos. It means mature. It means grown up. You're going to have a lot of strength when you grow up because you went through all of that fire and that trial. You're not changing God's will by praying. His will is being done. Whether you like what you're going through or not. Most people here were associated with this ministry. Going through a lot of things. and But you can't pray that away. What I need to do is show you some more about the about the purpose of God. Look here in Psalms 135. Psalms 135. Now, this is what God does. He does everything. He said, I make peace and create evil. How the Lord do all these things. All the evil that's done is of God. The reason men don't want to believe this, they don't like who God actually is. He's a, the old prophets called him a great, a mighty, and a terrible God. Job said, God was cruel to me. He took me by my, by my ankles and shook me to pieces when he killed my seven sons and three daughters. He was perfecting me. I can't get... People who believe that the devil is doing these things think the devil is stronger than God and God doesn't want the devil to do it, but he does it anyway. That's not the way it is. God ordains the devil to do the evil he does. Now, I like this Psalms 135. This shows you the things that he does. Starting in verse 4. And the Lord had chosen Jacob, which is Israel, unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure for I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods whatsoever the Lord pleased whatever he wanted to do in your life that did he in heaven and in the earth and in the seas and all the deep places he does everything he wants to 
He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth and maketh lightnings for the rain. He creates and structures the lightnings. He says in Job 38 that he tells the lightnings where to strike. He says, strike here, and they say, yes, sir, and he does. And it burns down a building or it kills some guy out here in the street. That's the will of God. God smote the firstborn of Egypt. He killed all the firstborn of Egypt. He told Israel, put the blood of the lamb over the doorposts of your house. Everybody that doesn't have the blood up has to die when the death angel comes through. And don't tell the Egyptians anything. They're going to die. Their firstborn will die. God planned the death of the firstborn of Egypt. And the Pharaoh's firstborn died in that great big curse. Who sent tokens and wonders into the midst of thee, O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and upon all his servants. What gets me, people say, God didn't want to create evil and he didn't want men to die. The Bible says in the 14th chapter of Exodus that Pharaoh and his armies went down into the into the land between the the waters as chasing Moses and the children of Israel and it's, if there was a long way across that Red Sea probably 30, 40, 50 miles they got out in the middle of it and God pulled the chariot wheels off of Pharaoh's army's chariots if God didn't want them to die why did he do that? why didn't he say Moses stand on the other side of the Stand on the other side and sing just as I am, just as I am. Won't you come, Pharaoh, and accept Christ as your personal Savior? He didn't want Pharaoh to live. He wanted him to die. And he says, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee. Could anybody have prayed for Pharaoh and got him out of that? Nobody. God says, I do what I want to do. And he goes on to say, he smote great nations and slew mighty kings. He killed them without giving them a chance. Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, the king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan. They, it, he told Israel, go ahead and slaughter them and kill them all. And gave their land for an heritage, and an heritage unto Israel, his people, Thy name, O Lord, endureth forever, and thy memorial, O Lord, throughout all generations. For the Lord will judge his people, and he will repent himself concerning his servants. Repent means to turn away. He's going to quit destroying them at one point. The idols of the heathen and the gold and, and the silver and gold and the work of men's hands... They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes they have, and they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Neither is there any breath in their mouths. That they that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in these images. And Israel going after these images, and God has no pity on the people that he hardens their hearts. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now, go over here to Daniel. Is he doing everything he wants to do? Can you pray Pharaoh out of his predicament? No. 
God said, even for this same purpose, have I raised thee up, Pharaoh, that I might show my power in thee when I kill you and destroy you and put you in hell. I don't know what people think those Bible verses mean there in Daniel 9. Here in Daniel, in Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. And he looks out over Babylon and says, See great Babylon that I have built. The Bible says the words weren't even out of his mouth till God struck him down on his all fours and for seven times, probably seven months, until his hair grew out like eagle's feathers, until his males grew out like bird claws. That would be a seventh month period. And God made him to eat the grass of the field with the cattle of the field. And he was out of his mind. But when he came to himself, the Bible said he stood up. Makes me wonder if Nebuchadnezzar is not a believer because of what he said. And Nebuchadnezzar said, All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He doeth according to his will. He struck Nebuchadnezzar down because he wanted to. He changed his heart because he wanted to. He doeth according to his will in the army of heaven, among the inhabitants of the earth. Everything that happens with people on earth, God is behind it, even the evil. He said, I make peace and create evil. And none can stay the hand of God from doing his will. That word stay is the word Mecca, M-E-C-H-A. It means to arrest in its movement. It means to stop. God's going, I'm going to do this and nothing can stop him from doing it. Not your prayers or nothing. (coughs) The Lord told Jeremiah, He said, Jeremiah, you are a prophet of destruction. Don't you pray for this people. Let me see if we can find that. Jeremiah, it's early in the book. Jeremiah. In verse, now, here's, you think you can change things with your prayer? In Jeremiah 7 and verse 16. He says, Jeremiah sent you to pronounce judgment on this people. Jeremiah is the last prophet that's preaching at Israel. He was there when Nebuchadnezzar came in and leveled the city and carried all these people away to captivity and killed at least a million people. Therefore, pray not for this people, neither lift up, cry nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear thee. I'm not going to listen to your prayer when you pray against these people. I'm bringing judgment. He says the same thing over in Jeremiah 14, 11, Psalms 8 and 4, Ezekiel 14, 14. He said, Ezekiel, don't you pray for this people. I'm not delivering them. You are a prophet of the judgment, of my judgment. And Ezekiel was carried away captive around 597, 96 B.C. So he says, now let's go back over here to Daniel 4, 35. 
None can stop God's hand. It means to impale or smite or strike to pieces. Nobody can stop the hand of God doing what he wants. Just amazing to me. People think, pray for this man that he'll get over this sickness. I'm not going to pray for him. I have people call and say, pray for my son that he'll be saved. I said, I can't do that. He's either elect or he's not telling the truth and either repent or he won't. We are elect from the foundation of the world. God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. From the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit. God's going to sanctify Haggaiadzo all that belong to him. How do they belong to him? He chose them before the foundation of the world. He hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. Holy. And without blame. You're not going to be without blame. I'm a most. You're not going to be Haggai's holy, pure, and single. Haggai's holy, single, and it takes fire to single you and make you bow to God's will. So God's going to put you through the fire for your good. That's why. You don't like the fire? Tough. <laughs> I'm so I'm not sorry to tell you that. You got to put up with it. That's the way it is. Now, when you pray, when the world prays, do you actually think that you're changing the will of God, which is forever? Declaring the end. God has declared the end. Here's the thing. God has declared the end. This is Isaiah 46 and 10. He's declared the end from the beginning. From beginning. He's declared the end from the beginning. And here you are in life. You're right. You're right here. Let me do this again. He's declared the end from the beginning. The end from the beginning, Isaiah forty six ten. He's declared the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, from forever, since Olam is true, from forever to forever. And he has declared the end from beginning, from ancient times, before the foundation of the world, written your name down in the book of life, that you will conform to the image of Christ, and you're not going to conform on your own, because there's none that seeketh after God. There's none righteous, none good. He picked you out, birthed you by his will, and it, then he's got a place down here in your life where he's gonna, you're going to move around, do all these things, and you're going to run across the preaching of truth. And then you're going to get into all kinds of trials and tribulation and persecution 
And like I said, losing your house and losing your car and losing your wife and losing and having a sick kid you can't control. And you're going to and you're going to be praying along the way, trying to get things to be different. But the Bible says he's declared the end from the beginning and from ancient times. Here you are. This is you right here. You right here. You're 40 years old or you're 50 years old or however old you are. And, and everything that's not yet done, coronavirus, that's not yet done in your life. And if you get that, that was declared by God. Well, I'll tell you what this does. When you realize God's doing everything, you start bowing to him. You start saying, if this is what you want in my life to have this coronavirus, if you want me to have this heart attack, I had my heart, my first heart attack in 2002. And uh, I was teaching at the house back then. And I kept hurting while I was preaching. And being being a person that's got a chronic bronchial asthma, I thought I was having asthma problems. I thought I was having bronchitis and I was getting some kind of infection in my lungs. It kept hurting all night. And I got up. It was about, I said, I've got to go to bed. And I went upstairs and went to bed. I hurt all night long, and about 7.30 in the morning, I turned over to Mary, and I said, get me to the hospital. I'm having a heart attack. I knew it just as sure as the world. She got me to the hospital. They put me on a gurney, shuffling me around, doing those tests that they do. Mary, come, she said she'd come up to the gurney and said, are you, are you scared? And she said that I said, no, this is the will of God. I don't remember saying that, but she said that's what I said. And that's exactly like something I would say. They stuck me in the ambulance, took me down to to Centennial Hospital and and did a the doctor cut me open, bounced my heart around the room a few times like a basketball. That's what I felt like. And uh, and I come through it. Now I'm healthier than I've been. Uh, but everything is the will of God. You can't pray and change the will of God. I got a T-shirt that says, Prayer changes nothing on the back of it. One woman said, Well, I don't know if I like that. I said, Well, ma'am, let me explain to you. Prayer is the word prosukomai comes from pros meaning toward and uk meaning to will it means to will oneself toward the will of another it means to bow to the will of god she said oh <laughs> once i explained it to her i said and didn't jesus say we're to pray thy will be done what we pray let me tell you something when you pray thy will be done you're not praying god i'm going to let your will happen in my life it's not what you're praying. You're praying, thy will is being done. Because it is. You're either going to bow to the will of God or you're going to fight it. Fighting it doesn't do you any good because it's going to be the same way anyway. 
And all it does is make your health bad. And all you do is go through more trials until God breaks you one day. He broke me when I had severe bronchial pneumonia in the hospital in my mid-40s. And and I sat up on the side of the bed. Man, I was having... I was just fighting breathing. That's the scariest thing. That's more scary than a heart attack when you can't get your breath. And I felt like I was on the bottom of a 100-foot swimming pool and somebody gave me a straw as thin as a hair and says, now breathe out of this. And I couldn't breathe. And I thought I was dying. And I sat up on the side of the bed one day. I had to have that therapist come and give me a breathing treatment every 15 minutes I was just fighting for breath I'm not doing that now I was under stress stress will kill you you know what stress is worrying about all those things you can't change duh you're not going to change the things you worry about worry is a killer Put me in the hospital. I was on the hospital doorstep knocking on the door for years until they let me in. So I got a heart attack. It just, you don't change the will of God by prayer. It's going to happen. Now, let me read some of these verses to you. Look, so look over here at Job 21. Job 21 and verse 22. Job 21. Now, when you pray, you can't pray. You have to pray, Lord, I I don't know what to pray for. Help me. I think, you know what I believe the best prayer you can pray when you're in trouble? This is the very best prayer that I can think of. Lord, help! (laughs) That's the best prayer you can pray. I don't know what to do. He knows what we have need of before we ask. But gosh, remember, ask is a conditional word. Ask. Prayer. And supplication. These all have basically the same meaning. Ask is the word Iteo. A-I-T-E-O. And we receive the things that we ask in 1 John 3.22. We receive the things that we ask if we do two things. We keep His commandments... Keep commandments. And do the things that are pleasing. In his sight. In sight. Now I couldn't understand that keep his commandments when I was young. The word keep is the word tereo. T-E-R-E-O. Keep has the same meaning as to guard the commandments against loss. 
Where are they? They're written on fleshy tables of our heart, whether we can do them or not. They're written there, and that's what gives us conviction. So it means to guard them against loss. And I will. I refuse to let somebody contradict the Word of God out in public if I see them and I hear them. I'll say, well, that's not what that means. If you don't know what it means, I'll tell you. I'm not going to lose the commandments of God because somebody's got an opinion. I hate to hear somebody say, we'll pray for them. You mean you're going to bow to the will of God while they're dying? Lord, we know that this is a dear lady and she's dying and you're probably going to take her into eternity. Give her strength to undergo this and help her to bear up under it. And if it's according to your will that she'd come out of it, that's good too, Lord. Whatever you want, we bow to. That's how you pray. I hear these people, we're going to have a prayer chain. I have prayer warriors. You can't have all those people willing to bow to the will of God together. They're all going to pray, God, uh, give us this money to do this project. And, and, and you can't pray that way. That's not prayer. That's wishing. And we do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Pleasing. E-U-A-R-E-S. T-E-O. You means well. Aresco means pleasing. Well pleasing. A-R-E-S-K-O. Aresco. It means to please well. What is pleasing to God? Death to self. That eliminates praying for what you want. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice Holy, acceptable, E-U-E-R-U-S-K-O. Aresco is the basic same word over in 1 John 3.22. It means well-pleasing. Giving our bodies a living sacrifice is death to self on a daily cross. You can't be asking if you're going to keep the commandments of God and guard them against loss and you do the things that pleasing, you're going to give up self. So you can't go praying for self or anything that you want. That's not prayer. Get it? <laughs> All right. And in Galatians, the first chapter, Paul said, if I yet please men, Aresco, if I please men, I will not be the servant of Christ. You can't pray your way out of a difficult situation. You can accept it, and the longer you learn to accept things, and the more you learn that this is all the sovereign will of God, whether it looks good or looks evil, I'm not going to pray the coronavirus to go away. That's the judgment of God. God says, I'll send the sword, the famine, the pestilence. It's a pestilence when men don't tell the truth. And the preachers in America are not telling truth. They're preaching tongues when it's glossa and dialectos. They're preaching praying for things to happen. You can bow to the will of God and say, Lord, I don't know what I need. I pray that way all the time. Lord, I'm under pressure and stress in situations. I'm old. 
I want to stay here for the people. Give me strength to stay and keep preaching and strengthening them if it's according to your mercy and will. I preface everything according to his mercy and will. If it's your will, Lord, let me do this or that. If it's not, you direct me where you want me to go and how you want me to do it. You're not going to change God's will. Here in the 21st chapter, verse 22. Shall any teach God knowledge? When you pray trying to change the will of God, you're trying to teach God knowledge. Seeing he judgeth those that are high, you can't tell God what to do. He says there in in Job 9.12, Who will say to God, What doest thou? You can't tell God, What are you doing with this disease? He's got the coronavirus running through this world It's a judgment because of the corruption in the churches and among the preachers of the world, and it's been building up for 2,000 years. And God's had his fill. Now, in Job 28, you can't change the will of God. It's here. He's declared it all from the beginning. And everything that's... You're going to change what's not yet done that God has ordained to be? That you, by praying? He's declared the end of the beginning from ancient times the things that are not yet done in everybody's life. Can you imagine God is doing everything? He is... He's got every bug crawling across some limb or across the ground exactly where he wants them. I don't believe anything is out of the control of God. I believe he is totally sovereign in everything. And preachers are not going to preach this because it will make their congregations mad. Even the predestination preachers won't preach what I preach about the evil. I wrote a paper. I got it right here. Does God create evil? He does it for our good. He does everything. I don't know why people don't believe God. If you read the Bible, does God create evil? I will not pity, he says, when I kill people because of your disobedience and I ordain you to disobey. Goodness gracious. You know what we are? We're robots. We're pawns in God's hand. If you ever realize what a pawn you are, all you are is a piece of clay on a potter's wheel. Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor Jacob and another to dishonor Esau? Can he do that if he wants to? Are you going to talk back to him? By praying, uh, get this out of the way, like that stupid Copeland said, get out of here, uh, uh, coronavirus, when he starts blowing at the camera like he's blowing it out. He's an idiot. Idiotes. He's unlearned. I think he's stupid. Stupid is the word ba'ar. Brutish. It means an animal that is so stupid it can't be taught. I don't believe Kenneth Copeland can be taught. I believe he's stupid. 
But if he's stupid, God made him that way because he's a vessel of wrath fitted to destruction. He's a natural brute beast made, born to be taken and destroyed. Gunea is the word made. means to be born. And then this paper, I've got several hundred places where the Old Testament says, he says in Second Kings six thirty three, when there was a famine in the land, behold, this evil is from the Lord. Evil came upon the world because of God, and he said in Second Kings twenty one twelve, I am bringing such evil on Jerusalem that whosoever heareth it, both his ears shall tingle. I'll wipe Jerusalem clean as a man wipes a plate, turning it upside down. And he brought in Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army to crush Jerusalem. He said, I did it. I put in his heart to do that. More people don't like that. And you couldn't have prayed God out of that? You're crazy. And 28, 11. God bindeth the floods. How much time do I have, Mike? 20. God bindeth the floods from the overflowing. God keeps rivers from overflowing. And the thing that is hid bringeth he forth to light. Everything that's hidden is going to come to the light. But where shall wisdom be found? It's found in God, not in you instructing God with your prayers what to do. And where's the place of understanding? God. There's none that there's none good, not one, none understandeth, none seeks after God. Nobody understands until God puts it in their heart. And faith is substance, hypostasis, understanding. He has to put faith or understanding in our heart. Let me read a couple of more of these. First Corinthians two sixteen, one of my favorite verses. First Corinthians two sixteen. Let me get over there. I can quote it, but I'll go ahead and just read it. Who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Have you known God's mind and you can instruct him in prayer to change something and you don't like it because it's going on? You bow to the will of God in prayer. i got to give you this other this other this other word, deasis, that's the word supplication. First Corinthians two verse sixteen. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Jesus said, I came not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. If he came to do the will of God, and didn't he say, Father if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. He prayed thy will be done. He commands us to pray thy will is being done. We don't let his will happen in our lives. We either fight it or we do it. One of the two. And fighting it 
is a dead-end street. He's going to put you through more fire, more trials, some trials you don't think you can bear up under until you say, I give up. As the old saying goes back in the 40s, we used to say, twist the man's arm up behind his back until he says, Uncle. Make him say, Uncle. Now, I've got a bunch more of these. And people want to fight God. He says over here in Job 11, Job 11, let's go back to that. Job, the 11th chapter, and here in verse 7. Canst thou by searching find out God? Can you look hard enough and find out what he wants? He said, your ways aren't my ways. Your thoughts aren't my thoughts over the 55th chapter of Isaiah. As the heavens are higher than your ways, so are my ways higher than yours, and as your and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. How can you pray and tell me what to do when you don't even know what I'm thinking? You can't pray and ask God to change something. You can bow to his will. Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? Can you be perfect and find out what his purposes is? I love that verse over in Job thirty three thirteen. Love that. Job had a lot to say about God's will. Job thirty three and thirteen. Why dost thou strive against him, against God? strive is the word rube it means fight why do you rube against God why do you fight with him rube is an old circus saying it came from the Hebrew if if you're at a circus or a fair and you start arguing with one of those guys that runs the concession He'll yell rube real loud, and that means for the other guys to come and stop you from the trouble that you're starting. Why do you strive against God? For he giveth not account of any of his matters. He's not going to account to you and I why he's got this coronavirus here. I can see why it's here, because he said, I'll send this pestilence over and over again. Prayer and predestination go together. He's predestined us to conform by the fire and the trials. And when they come, don't you pray that they'll go away. That is a waste of your time. Anything you pray about has to be bowing to his will. Lord, I don't know what I need. This burden is so heavy. Help me to get through it. Give me strength. Lord, help my neighbor here. I notice they're really having a hard time. Give them strength to get through what you want them to go through. And God will answer that kind of a prayer. He doesn't. He didn't give me account of any of his matters. He's doing everything, the good and the evil. If our thoughts are not his thoughts, Isaiah 55, 7 through 11, how can we instruct God in prayer? 
You can't pray God do this or do this. Look in Isaiah. Look in Isaiah 45, 9. Isaiah 45, verse 9. Woe unto him that striveth, Rube, with his maker. You're going to fight God over something and you're going to pray that it'll go away when God knows what he wants to happen? That's like prayer people think, God don't know what to do about this situation, so I have to pray to him and tell him what to do. Now, Jesus, I know you probably don't know. You're just up there busy with the universe. You don't know this is going on. He knows everything. He's ordained it all. He says, War them that striveth with his maker. Let the potsherds strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioned it, What makest thou? What are you doing, God? God, now you made this person. <coughs> if prayer could change things, why is it these faith healers don't pray for people with permanent debilitating diseases? <coughs> that's going to eventually kill them. There are certain things that they don't pray for. They say they pray for cancer. Then the guy keeps on taking his chemotherapy. And because of the chemotherapy, his cancer goes into remission and they take credit for it. <clears throat> mm. Coffee. Reminds me of you know what one casket said to the other casket, don't you? <clears throat> Is that you coughing? <laughs> that was me. <laughs> Usually that gets a laugh from people. But there ain't nobody in here. All right. <clears throat> you can't you can't talk back to God. You're talking back to God when you're praying that something will change rather than, Lord, your will is being done. You're bowing to his will. You're not letting him have his will. Look here in uh I've already given to you Isaiah 64, 7. Thou art the potter, we are the clay, and we are all the work of thy hands. Can the clay say to the potter, what are you doing with me? I got these imperfections. I got this coronavirus. Get that out of me. He says, I need to keep that in you to perfect you. Look at Job 37. I'm trying to get bronchitis. Y'all pray for me that I'll get through this, okay? <laughs> that I'll do what God wants me to do. I, in Job 37, 37, verse 19. Teach us what we shall say to God. Now, in prayer, you're talking to God. 
for we cannot order our speech. By reason of darkness, our inability to understand in our heart what God wants. You can't just come up and start saying, get rid of this, get rid of that, and bring this and bring that. You never ask for stuff. You don't ask for a car, for money, or a job, or health, or anything. You bow to his will, and you watch him work in your life. But you won't bow until he puts the last straw that breaks the camel's back. That's an old saying. The straw that broke the camel's back. You keep putting a straw on, another straw, 5,397, 6,642, 6,643, and the camel goes, that's the way it is with all these trials and fire. God has to break us. He has to crush us. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for the Lord has sent me to preach the gospel to the poor, to the brokenhearted, to the blind, and to the bruised. Bruised is the word throw. T-H-R-A-U. Throw means crushed. He has to crush us to make us stop praying for ourselves and things and stuff. His will is being done. The Bible says he hides himself from us and we can't figure out where he is in Job twenty-three nineteen. Look at Job twenty-one twenty. Did I give you twenty-one twenty-two? I don't know. Yes. Did I give you that already? Yes. Read it again. And in thirty-seven, if God has got power over the snow and over the lightning, does he have power to do whatever he when it snows? People are caught in snowstorms and die. They're sliding off a cliff somewhere or they freeze in their car. And he says, I say to the snow, be on the earth. In Job 37, 6, he says, the lightnings are mine. I tell them what to do. Canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, here we are, Lord. Where shall we strike now? God's doing it all. Everything. I've got a film that talks about lightning. It's a... It's a... Uh, some scientific... Uh, film. And they say lightnings have to strike so many times... In the earth to keep the earth in balance. It's like... Lightnings are like... Lightnings and... In tornadoes and hurricanes, this was by a scientist. He said they have to strike so many so many places, and the winds have to blow to keep the Earth in its orbit and in its balance. It's just like balancing a wheel, a tire on a car. You put that that uh, lead slug on that place on the wheel, it balances it. That's the way they used to do it, and they say it's like that. And look at 38 and 2. Who is this, verse 2, that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? When you start praying for stuff and things in yourself, there's no knowledge in that. That means you're instructing God and what you want him to do when you don't have good sense. 
I'll tell you what this will do for you. If you start learning that everything is of God and you start bowing to it, life becomes tolerable. Years ago, I was constantly worrying and stressed over everything. That's what put me in the hospital and gave me a heart attack. It was real hard for me to slow down. I was a driven person. I was driven in this ministry for years. I had my second heart attack in March of last year, and the doctor said, you've got to cut back on some things. So I cut out preaching on Sunday night. And Mike plays the tape on Sunday night. We're taping these on Wednesday afternoon and Saturday afternoon. He's playing them Wednesday night and and Sunday morning. I'm, I have backed down and quit trying to do everything myself. I've quit wanting everything. Since I know God is doing everything, I'll go out here and tell people in the world, God's doing everything. He creates evil. He loved Jacob and hated Esau, and Christmas is pagan. And they can get mad at me, and I don't even care. I really don't care. I just say, well, this is the truth. You can either deal with it or not. And you can do what you want to do. I don't, and I don't care what people do. They'll do what God wills them to do. Isaiah twenty nine sixteen. Shall the work say unto him that made that made him? He made me not. You, you're not going to be willing to bow to God until God deals with you as a believer. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. Psalms 110.3 says. So you'll not be willing to bow to God's will until you, until he deals with you with enough trial, tribulation, persecution. If you don't like what you're going through, hang on. You'll come out of it when you start bowing. Life becomes easier. When you start bowing to the will of God, because you don't care what kind of car you have, you don't care if you're short on money, you don't care about anything except preaching the word and tell people the truth. Am I out of time, Mike? Two minutes. Two minutes. I'm going to go into the spiritual Sabbath, which goes with this. The spiritual Sabbath is resting in belief. When you believe God, you don't just believe, I believe you died for me for my sin. You believe everything that's going on is of God. And you believe Jesus is the head of everything. The good, the evil, regardless of what it is. I'm going to come back and talk about the spiritual Sabbath next week. I'll be back on the coronavirus coming this 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 Sunday it would actually tape it on Saturday to the auditorium I love you guys out there all the members of this congregation and anyone who believes the truth we consider you our brothers and sisters if you contact us long distance from overseas we consider you part of Grace and Truth Ministries our DVDs are free we give them away free of charge. 
if God deals with your heart to support this ministry, that's between you and God, not between me and you. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for truth. Help all of us to learn to bow to your will that's being done. Teach us to say, thy will is being done, Lord, regardless. We'll praise you for everything. Glorify you. Lead us to your elect family. You fight our battles, Lord. We're we're arguing with you when we try to fight them. And your will is being done. Thank you for everything. In Christ's name, amen.